Grace Church would like to invite you to listen to a sermon by our pastor, Todd Nyberg. We are located at 4137 Todd's Road, two miles outside of Manowar Boulevard. Sunday services are at 10.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. Bible study is at 9.45 a.m. Wednesday services are at 7 p.m. Nursery is provided for all services. For more information, visit our website at toddsroadgracechurch.com. Now here's our pastor, Todd Nyberg. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, we read these words, By faith, Noah. You remember Noah, the one who built the ark? By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark, to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. I've entitled this message, The Faith of Noah. Now, before I uh, go into the faith of Noah, I would like to read a passage from James chapter 2. In verse 14, James asks this question, What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works? Can faith save him? He says in verse 17, Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. And then we read in verse 20, But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? And then we read in verse 24 of the same chapter in James chapter 2, You see how that by works a man is justified, and not by faith only. Now, have you ever thought about those scriptures? If you've read the Bible, I'm sure you have. And have you ever thought, what do they mean? Is this in conflict with Paul when he says we're justified by grace without works? And yet James comes along with these words. What does that mean? Perhaps you've even been frightened by that. Now some have said that uh, Paul is speaking of justification before God, but James is speaking of justification before men. It's my works that prove to you whether or not I am justified before God. Is that what James means? No, not at all. Now, I want to be a good example to you, but if you do not believe that I don't have faith because of the way I conduct myself, I can still have faith. Uh, and while I want to leave a good example, for you, my great desire is to be justified before God, whether you or anybody else sees it or not. That is not what James is saying. James is saying that wherever there is faith, there will be an evidence. What is the evidence 
that Noah believed God. He built the ark. If he would have refused to build the ark, he would have demonstrated by that that he did not have faith in the living God. But when God told him to build that ark, the scripture says he moved with fear. And that's a reverential awe. He knew God. He moved with fear and prepared this ark to the saving of his house. That is what proved his faith was real. You know, there's a passage in Revelation 14, 13 that says, Blessed are the dead that die in the Lord. Yea, saith, from the spirit, saith the Spirit that they may have rest from their labors, and their works do follow them. Everyone that enters heaven, there is going to be works, evidence that they really believed what they said they believed. And Noah is a great example of that. He built the ark. Now to most people, uh, Noah is nothing more than a children's Bible story. You've seen the pictures with Noah with his head out of the ark with a giraffe and a lion, and they look at it as a children's Bible story. Now, the Lord spoke of this as a literal event. He spoke of the days of Noah, the time when he lived. And he said in Luke chapter 17, verses 26 and 27, And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the, do the day Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. The Lord speaks of this as a literal historical event. Peter refers to this in 1 Peter chapter 3 when he says in verse 20, which sometimes were disobedient when, one, when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was prepared, being prepared, wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. Now, I don't know how many millions of people lived at that time when God sent the flood, but we read in this passage of Scripture, there were only eight people in all of the world saved. Now, that's God's Word. Somebody says that's not very many. I know, but that's what God says. Eight people in that ark. And Peter mentions him as a preacher of righteousness. And so much has been said about Noah's preaching. And uh, many would think, well, yes, Noah preached righteous living. If you don't straighten up and fly right and live righteously, you're going to be destroyed by a flood. That is really not what is meant by the preaching of righteousness on Noah's part. He was preaching the only way of righteousness, the righteousness of Christ as the only grounds of acceptance. This ark pictures Christ. If you're in him, you're saved. If you're not, you are lost. He preached the only way God could be just and justify the ungodly one. He was said to be a preacher of righteousness. It's not talking about him condemning people for the way they were living. It's talking about him presenting the only way of acceptance before God. Now this story with regard to Noah actually begins in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. We read, 
And God saw, this is the days of Noah, and God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Now, do you get the picture? God looked at men. This was 2,000 years after creation, the creation of Adam. God looked at men, and he saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. And this was talking about every man he looked upon. Here's how bad it was. Every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And my dear friends, it's no different today than it was then. This is what God sees when he sees the heart of every natural man, only evil, nonstop. And he repented the Lord that he made man on the earth, and it grieved him in his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I've created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, and the creeping things and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I've made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Now, Noah was just as bad as everyone else described in verse 5. That was him by nature. It's not like he was better than these people. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. God made a difference with Noah. Look in chapter 7, verse 1 of Genesis. And the Lord said unto Noah, Come down all thy house into the ark, for thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. Now this is how God made a difference with Noah. He saw him as righteous. And I know why he saw him as righteous. Because he had the very righteousness of Jesus Christ as his personal righteousness before God. He was somebody that Christ would die for and put away their sins and be made the very righteousness of God in him. Now our text begins with these words, by faith, Noah, being warned of God as things not as yet seen. Now this is the same faith spoken of when we read the just shall live by faith. Now Noah had an intelligent faith. And by that I'm not talking about IQ. I'm talking about he knew God and he believed what God says. It wasn't a act of blind faith when he started building that ark. He did what God told him to do. He believed that what God said would take place would take place. God told him, I'm going to flood the earth. And I think this, in this remarkable story, Noah's given 120 years to build that ark. Now think about that. Uh, did he hire people to help? Bible doesn't say it. Maybe he did. But he was given 120 years to build that huge ark. And Peter tells us it was the long-suffering of God that waited while Noah prepared the ark. Now, Noah did what he did by faith. He knew the Lord and he believed what he said. That's what faith is. It's a knowledge of God 
I mean knowing him. I'm not talking about knowing about him. I'm talking about knowing him. And if you know him, you will believe what he said. Now, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet. Now, what that is talking about is the coming flood. Genesis 2, verses 5 and 6, points out that before the flood, there was no rain. A mist came up from the earth, and the earth was watered by this mist. Noah had never seen rain. Noah had never experienced a flood. I dare say Noah didn't even know what a boat was. When the Lord told him to build this ark, he'd never seen a rain come down to flood the earth, but he was warned by God with regard to what God was going to do. Faith has to do with things not seen. God told him of this judgment that would take place. And he, like I said, he gave him 120 years to build the ark. And the judgment was going to happen then. Now, Noah didn't see this, but he believed God. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. So when God told him to build the ark, the scripture says he moved with fear. And that is not uh, uh, a slavish fear. That's the fear of reverence and the fear of awe. He believed what God said and he prepared the ark. Now what an act of faith that was. He'd never seen rain. He prepared this huge ark on dry land. I've heard people say it was a desert. Well, the Bible doesn't say that, but it could have been. And this ark was 450 feet long. That's a football field and a half long, 75 feet wide, 45 feet high, three stories. And I read where it would take at least 15,000 tons of wood to build a structure like this. And can you imagine Noah spending these 120 years in the construction of this project on dry land? People would come by and say, Noah, what are you doing? I'm building an ark. What's an ark? It's a vessel that's going to float uh, when God sends rain on this earth as a judgment. What's rain? I can imagine all the questions and they probably thought this man's crazy. What is he doing? I'm sure they were impressed with the structure. You know, this structure is, was like a barge, like a shoebox. I know that the representation they have in northern Kentucky of the ark, it has a bow and a stern, but the, that's not the ark. It was a floating vessel, not a sailing vessel, a floating vessel. And I suppose everybody in that region came to look at that ark and were impressed with it. Look at that. But not one person believed Noah's warning. I have no doubt that Noah told people when they would come and watch, and, and watch him build the ark, what are you doing that for? God is going to send rain on the earth. The fountains of the deep are going to be opened up. There's going to be a flood. And the only place of safety is in this ark. If you come in this ark, you will be saved. If you don't, you will not. Now, they were impressed with the ark, but not one person believed Noah's message. Now, God begins before the rain to draw the animals in. 
Noah didn't go out and round them up. They were moved by God to come into that ark. And when Noah and his family and all the animals went in the ark, there was no rain as of yet. Then God shut the door and it began to rain. Noah went in by faith. He had not seen the rain yet, but it began to rain. How do you think those people felt who saw no need to come into the ark now? There was now no way of entrance into it. Now this ark is actually a beautiful type of the Lord Jesus Christ. Large, huge, plenty of room. And my dear friend, there's room for anyone who comes to Christ. He said, him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. I don't care how sinful you are. I don't care how lost you are. If you come to Christ, there is room for you. This ark was huge. And all you needed was in the ark. They didn't go fishing during this time. All the food that was needed, everything you needed was found in the ark. Everything you need is in Christ. Everything God requires of you is found in Christ. In you, if you're in Christ, you have all that God requires. And this ark was pitched within and without with pitch. Now that word pitch, that black tarry substance, it was covered on the outside and on the inside with this pitch. And that is the same word that atonement comes from. The atonement of Christ, that's the shedding of his blood to put away sin. God is just, God is holy. He can't accept sin. He would cease to be God if he could just let a sinner come into his presence and accept him. But he gave his son to be the substitute for sinners. God did this. He gave his son and the sins of God's elect were placed in the Lord Jesus Christ. He became guilty of them. God's wrath came down upon him. He shed his precious blood and by his precious blood, there was the atonement for sin, the putting away of sin. Everybody he died for, their sin is paid for. God's satisfied with them. Now in that ark, what kept the wrath of God out of the ark? The pitch. The ark was covered with this black, tarry substance. No water could come within the ark. And it was pitched on the inside with this pitch. What is it that keeps a believer on the inside? Is it fear of punishment, uh, fear of the law? No, it's seeing the preciousness of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That only produces love to God and desire to follow Him. <clears throat> the ark had one door. Only one. Christ said, I am the door. He is the door of entrance into heaven. He's in the, the door of entrance to salvation. You can't be saved unless you come by the door. There, no, there are no other doors. There was one window. Only one way to look, and that was up to look to Christ. All in this ark were saved. All outside of the ark drowned. By faith, Noah being warned of God, moved with fear. Now, in the passage in Hebrews, let me get back to it. I want to read the whole thing. 
By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Now this scripture says, in the building of this ark, he condemned the world. Now what does that mean? During the construction process of this ark, he condemned the world. Now there has been much speculation about Noah's preaching during those 120 years. And perhaps the ridicule he experienced. People saying, are you crazy? But in this action of, by this action of condemning the world, this is what I understand. He let everybody know, if you want to be in the ark, there's room for you. I'm not holding anybody out. If you come into the ark, you will be saved. You will be welcomed. Now listen to this. The gospel is not for everybody, but it's for anybody. It's for anybody who will come. Now Christ didn't die for everybody. He died for the elect. There's no question that the Bible teaches that. But does that keep people out? No, it brings people in. And there is mercy. There is grace for anybody who comes. The Lord said in John chapter 6 verse 37, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. You come, you'll be saved. Now the door is going to be closed at one point, And once that God shuts Noah in, it will not be opened again until the flood's over. But right now, the door of mercy is open Come to Christ and he will not cast you out. And if I'm not saved, I have no one to blame but myself. It's because I refused to come. I trusted my own works rather than the works of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now salvation's of the Lord. If you're saved, it's all the Lord's fault. And if you or I are damned, it's all our fault. It's all our fault responsibility. Now notice it says he became, in our text, it says by the which he condemned the world, this building of the ark, saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world, and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Now don't miss this word, he became heir. How did he become heir? Let's say your uh, parents are wealthy and uh, you're an only child and they have millions and they die. And all of a sudden I come up to you and say, I'm an heir also. I, I have a, a right to this inheritance as well. You'd put a stop to that, wouldn't you? Because no, you're the heir. Somebody does not just make themselves heir. Now, if you're an heir, it's because God determined for you to be an heir. He made you an heir. And what is that inheritance? He says, heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. Now, here's what every believer is an heir of. The righteousness, which is by faith. Now, there are two kinds of righteousness. The righteousness of Christ, which is the righteousness of faith, and human righteousness. But let me say something about human righteousness. 
Isaiah says this in Isaiah 64, 6, Our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. So much for human righteousness. In reality, there's no such thing. We call it righteousness, but it's whitewashed sin and nothing more. As a matter of fact, do you know it's your righteousness, your filthy righteousness that you trust that will keep you out of heaven? It's not your sin. Your sin won't keep you out of heaven. It'll cause you to come to Christ if you ever see it and find mercy. But it's your righteousness that keeps you from coming to Christ. You think you're good enough. I think that that's the way we all are by nature, self-righteous. We're like the Pharisee in the temple. God, I thank thee that I'm not as other men are. Uh, I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. I'm not an extortioner or unjust or like this publican. Oh, self-righteousness. It's, it's what will keep a man out of heaven. And then there's the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Now that's the heir That's the righteousness that Noah became the heir of. Now, how does that work? I'd like to close by reading a passage of Scripture from Romans chapter 3. Beginning in verse 10. As it is written, there's none righteous, no, not one. That includes you and I. There's none that understands, There's none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There's none that doeth good. No, not one. Then in verse 19 of the same chapter. Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped. And all the world may become guilty before God. Now, if you ever see, and if I ever see my sin, my mouth will be stopped. I will justify God in sending me to hell. I'll be getting exactly what I deserve. I won't be coming up with excuses. My mouth will be stopped. Then Paul says, therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. By your actions, by the things you do, you cannot, I cannot be justified. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. All the law does, all the Ten Commandments do, is expose to us that all we've done is broken them. We're sinful. But now, the righteousness of God. Without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by the faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe. Now, the righteousness of God is the righteousness of Jesus Christ, his perfect obedience and law keeping. When he lived 33 years, he was then nailed to a cross. My sin became his sin. The sins of the elect became his. He put them away. And his righteousness is given to every one of them without exception. And every believer is nothing less than the very righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. Now that is the righteousness that Noah became heir to. That is the righteousness which is of faith. And if you trust Jesus Christ as your only righteousness before God, you have this same righteousness that Noah did. 
We have this message on DVD and CD, and if you look at the website for our church, you can get a copy. This is Todd Nybert, praying that God will be pleased to make himself known to you. That's our prayer. Amen. To receive a copy of the sermon you have just heard, send your request to todd.nybert at gmail.com, or you may write or call the church at the information provided on the screen. 